Welcome to the Bear Tiger Podcast, episode number five. Joined by two stars of the show, James Slate. How are you? Hello, Hart. Yeah, really good. How are you? Good, thank you. And Big Nige is back. Back from back, holiday. Back again. You haven't, da, da, da. You haven't commented on my tan lines. <laughs> I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's keep it clean, sure. Let's keep it clean. Great to see you guys. We're going to dive straight in. We're going to have because plenty of golf to get through today. We're going to have a, a pro golf roundup. Let's start. Let's start out with the seniors. Hmm. Seniors Open up at Glen Eagles turned out to be quite in a tournament. It's Kings Barnes, isn't it? Glen Eagles <laughs> on the Kings course. It's on the Kings course, yeah. Ah, okay. That's we are experts in golf. Yeah, uh, they are two different courses. So we can start again, can't we? No, we're going to leave that one in there. Gonna, he's gutted with that. He's, he's missed a lot. Like, Mr. I know golf. Mr. Golf. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the King's course has proper thrown me. Anyway, I enjoyed it. So. Anyway. Did you watch any of it? All of it. I have been proper golfed up this week. James you didn't what- recognise it was a completely different golf course. <laughs> <laughs> he was watching the monthly medal over at King's Barnes. Who are these old guys? Yeah. You, have, you have played both those courses, haven't you? Nope. Oh, I haven't right, played okay. much golf in Scotland, so. Okay. Yeah, for... Um, you have got a passport, have you? <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, not even allowed to drive across the border. <laughs> <laughs> taken away you'd stick out yeah in the boot of my mate's metro that was the last time I crossed the border um, yeah no look it was really good I was actually really happy for Darren Clark it was almost like a bit of a blast from the past with the with the tw- watching him with the emotions running well with the 2011 uh, win at, yeah. uh, at the Open and uh, watching him kind of come down the stretch it was that it was that kind of bit where he clicked into it um, when he won in 2011 where that ball striking masterclass came back in you know that famous I mean for me I, it's so relatable he sends it out and curves it back in had a really good relationship with his old caddy who'd come back on the bag this week course had got so wet hadn't it with the break in play and then they come back there's just standing water and puddles everywhere so you know as well as a golfer when you're playing in conditions like that your ball striking's got to be even tighter yeah otherwise it's quite noticeable that when you don't nip it off the top of the grass so um and he had some really cool players breathing down his neck and it was almost like a blast from the past like watching golf with my dad 20 years ago all these kind of stalwarts like harrington montgomery yeah. paul broadhurst coming through and a special mention as well for John John Kemp, I believe his name is, who won the silver medal, uh, which is the top leading amateur, who is uh, playing this week in the silver trophy at St. George's Hill, where I'll be playing as well. You're going to go and find him and get some stories. Let's say well done. It's a pretty cool achievement, right? Yeah, it was, it was a really good event. Obviously, Darren Clark being the eventual winner on minus 10, winning by one shot over Padraig Harrington, who had an unbelievable back nine. Came home in 30. I mean, he had a, a shocker finished at the front nine he thought he was out of it and he just turned it on and as we were chatting off the outside of the recording he was just hitting it so much further than everybody else you know all this speed training that he's done where he goes onto the range in the morning and he spends 20 minutes hitting drivers as hard as he can <laughs> a bit of a warm-up for you nights he literally goes out there hits drivers as hard as he can for 20 minutes and the ball goes everywhere missing the range left right <laughs> everywhere but he doesn't Even more care. like me. Yeah. Doesn't care. It's not about the accuracy. It's just about keeping his speed up. And obviously that really shone through. Is that all about just getting the muscles super hot, Zed? Is that what he's trying to do really there? He's just, he's working solely on speed. You think there's, there's three hallmarks of what makes a good ball striker. And one of them's, one of the first ones is a strike. Now making good contact. The next one is going to be the, controlling the curve. And the last one is the power. Mm. Everyone goes out and practices getting the right strike. Everyone goes out and practices how straight to hit it. But not many people would just focus on going, right, I'm now going to work on just the power bit, forget the other two. Yet power gets forgotten about when you work on strike or when you work on accuracy. So he, he's, he's smashing them until he's exhausted. Well, he's, he's obviously quite fit, isn't he now? 
because of that. Because of that. Because that's right. his tra- that is a it's a training session in itself. Yeah. And he's just getting his mind and he's getting his body just ready to absolutely send it off every tee. I mean, but if he does that and just smash it as hard as he can, then then he can then rain it back in, rain it back it? in, eighty yeah. percent, and it's still quite quite long. So, bit of food for thought there, Nigel. It was so telling though, as well on eighteen, like no one had been able to think about getting it up over this you know, void where they were hitting to the bottom of the void, you know, and, yeah. and, and pulling it back 20 yards. So then they could clear a three wood or a five wood over the peak of this area to be able to try and sneak it on the front. Harrington is the only person who stepped up with chief and just absolutely sends it. I mean, the commentary box are in awe of it. I mean, he's like, he's covered it by 40 yards and they're like, this is nuts gone down the left hand side and he's got like 160 home. Everyone's got like 275, 280. <laughs> and he's he's just like flicked a mid iron into um into sort of 25 feet and rolled up next to the hole. Unfortunately. So what's the swing speed he's getting? He was about 177 in the second half of the when he had driver out. He was about ball 170. Speed, ball, speed. ball speed. Ball speed. Sorry. Yeah. 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 177 swing speed. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> You'd take off. <laughs> um, Versus what 150 with the rest of them? No. Nah, well, yeah. Darren Clark was the second quickest in the field, who was about 152 with driver, and Harrington was 177 ball speed. So it's 25 mile an hour clear. Darren is normally faster than that. That was, you know, that's cold and wet and waterproofs and tapping it down there, trying to win his golf tournament. He's faster than that. So what would Harrington normally. be if he in normal conditions, mid 180s? They, they said that he's, he, he was able to hit a 180 ball speed up at the Open, uh, certainly on the practice ground, which is impressive for a guy who's supposed to be in his... It's supposed to be a senior golfer. It's way above tour average yeah. on the PGA Tour, let alone the seniors tour. It's pretty it's pretty special. But yeah, some really good names that were up there as well, as you said. Ernie Ailes tied third, along with a whole host of golfers. Conor Montgomery, Paul Laurie, past Open champion, Retief Goosen. It was just, it's quite good fun watching the, mm. the it's, yeah. it's more appealing that than, you know, the DP and the PGA, to be honest. You know, that, that Especially for people older like myself. Like, you know, like you said, it brings you back 20 years when you were... Watching golf with your dad, you re- we got connection with these golfers and watching them play yeah, and compete again. It's great fun. And actually, you know, just watching how their bodies have evolved and things like that. And, you know, they're obviously sort of managing it slightly differently to how they have done in the peak of their career from a, a physical perspective. You know, watching how they now have changed their game to still be super competitive around these really tough golf courses and still shooting however many under par in, in you know, kind of tricky conditions is actually still really there's something there was something really special about it. i think it was really well broadcasted i thought the course looked fantastic the king's course yeah, i just thought king's bars looked great <laughs> <laughs> the king's course and um yeah and no one's barn yeah no it was it was, it was really good viewing actually really enjoyed it yeah, as you say Nigel, it was a it was obviously really good viewing here some some past greats in their major champions across now to the dp world event I think the highest-ranked player was probably 95 in the world or 98 in the world. It Rob McIntyre and maybe one other top 100 player who just squeezed in the top 100. After that, you know, it doesn't look great times for the DP World. So DP World Tour event was won by Richie Ramsey, a friend of or, or a, a connect, a solid yeah, connection connect, yeah. to. Yeah, um, a good friend Nigel. of mine's a cousin. So I followed Richie's career since we played in the Walker Cup in 2005, I believe, and then US Amateur in 2006. Uh, we were playing golf. Uh, we were away for the weekend in August, and his, my, this, this guy Dave Anderson, his name is, just sort of drops into conversation. He's, "Oh, my my cousin's in the final of the U.S. Amateur tonight. We can watch it." That was funny, actually. He had a hat on that said the something Anderson Foundation. So is that in connection with that? Yeah, it must be actually. I'm not not 100 percent sure, but yeah. 
That was passion, though. I mean, I know you say about the field, but that was passion in, in all of its glory. I mean, he's obviously had an opportunity at the British Masters to hold a putt on the last and just fall short. But well, we were chatting it was more than that, wasn't about it? That. It was it was just, one ahead, right? It was one ahead down 18, hit a beautiful drive in the middle of the fairway, and he unfortunately duffed it into the water. Mm, which is, which, is, which is a shame. You know, he was one shot in the lead and, and I think he ended up tie third. He said a putt though, I think, to make a playoff, I think, didn't he? I think I think at the Masters. But if not, he fell just short, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and then, well, if he'd got a par, I think he would have been a playoff. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, he, he ended up missing out, didn't he? Because it it's a back pin as well, so that water's not even a thought and he's obviously the heavy, which would have been heartbreaking for him because he doesn't get that many opportunities because no. he's, a, he's quite a short hitter. So he relies very much on hitting it dead straight. I know he's like everybody now is working on hitting it further, yeah, but yeah. you know there's only certain courses where he's going to be able to really operate. And obviously, he took advantage of that this week at a links course where he can get it out there a little bit more and use his precision. It's not all about taking it through the air. Yeah, and really good to see him win. He's a feisty player. Yeah, really feisty player. You know, he gets real stuck in. He work and he works really hard. Obviously, you know, he, you know, having been a, a previous US Amateur champion, he knows how to win. Mm. You know, he's got that about him. But, you know, this, the opportunity are few and far between for someone who doesn't get it out there further than 280. Yeah, the emotions were great on the 18th green. You know, lagged it up, had about seven feet left. Like, cans the putt. Um, it's a great putt. Amazing putt, yeah. And then just like, you know, that was proper, proper emotion yeah, was, with the fist pump. That's his fourth tour win, I think. Yeah, I think the first one he said until since um, 2015. Yeah, when his daughter's been born, and that was really that was really precious for him. So, but, but a, nice. for me, I think a lot of the emotion will probably have come from being where he was in that British Masters and, mm. and dropping it at the last minute because yeah, nice you could see he was gutted, and he, you know, I think he had his hat down over his head, didn't he, when he was finishing that round, and you know, to, to be able to come back and knowing that you're in, you've got a chance, and. And he, and he played really, really well. Steadily, four four rounds with good scores, and he was in the final group and just did the right thing. I think what was nice though, Zed, um, just talking about the field, is that right now I don't think Richie Ramsey cares about who is in the field. A win's a win. You know, it's still tough to beat the golf course, no matter who else is in the field. And, oh, I mean, um, yeah, hundred percent doesn't care. You can only beat the people you're playing against, and it, it's still a win. You know, and those players are all really good players, and this is a platform. Then you know, that's how you get out of the world rankings, and that's how you move on to the next stage. When he goes to Wentworth to the PGA, he goes in there as a winner, and you, you know you create that confidence, and that's how you go on from these. So there's, there's there's different stories. I mean, there's different stories for all these players as to why they're important. For like you said there, Nigel, about Richie Ramsey struggling in at the Belfry, and it, that's a story for him. To, you know, can he bounce back? It's a massive yeah. deal for him. And there's other players in there who are playing to keep their status for next mm. year. Just from a, a fan viewer's point of view, like you know, we've been quite spoiled recently with, with all the majors, a yeah. major a month coming in here then we're chatting about past greats at the senior king's bus <laughs> <laughs> you know and then you know then you get a dp world event at a, a fantastic links course and um you know the field is not not quite as exciting but we know it's, it, it can be exciting for us because we can look at it mm. in here could we follow golf and you know maybe not have a connection to richie ramsey or yeah. or have a story about paul wearing drinking with paul wearing at, at the british master or something like that so Great you kind guy. of see those little bits but for the person coming in and doesn't know all that, you know, it's just, you know, don't have the, you want to see the big stars all the time. Yeah. And a model professional, because it was the sixth bottle of Ace of Spades the night Talking before. Talking about Paul Waring. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about Paul Waring or yourself. Let's put a lid on this. And uh, he <laughs> went out and made the cut. And then obviously finished second this week. And now he's up into the, I think he's um, now on the brink of uh, the top 60, um, you know, where he'll be able to go to the tour final. So, um, yeah, really nice guy. Um, he's a really good player. Paul he's been Waring. around for years, isn't he, Paul? I mean, he's been around for quite a while. Yeah, he's a really good ball striker. He's had a lot of injury, had a lot of back injuries. 
so forth. Always kind of, kind of kept his card, even when he was kind of only playing a part time uh, schedule. Really good ball striker, strong guy. And um, yeah, him and his mate, uh, what's it called? His mate Alec. They do like a YouTube thing, and they, it's quite they're quite a good watch. Yeah, he was telling us about that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're quite a good watch. Yeah, the, po- good the poodle guy. is his nickname. The poodle. There you go. Plays in glasses. Not often you get players who, who do that. No. And then also a special mention, probably for a mate of ours. Todd played all four rounds this week. Looked like he was going quite nice. He had a really good moving day, and it's just tough. It's you know it's tough, isn't it? Across yeah, all finished, four rounds. Finished twenty sixth. I think he slipped in the last round. Made a couple of bogeys early on. Thought oh, maybe that's gone, but he, he saved okay. it at the end and, and got back to level par and bumped back up leaderboard. So nice experience for him. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder. I think maybe maybe they get points that go to the Challenge Tour now for that. Mm. Where you, I think you maybe get twenty sixth place points. Challenge tour, so that that would be good for him. Well, it'd be quite good actually with things like that when you get players who are on other tours, but they get starts and things like that. I think they should be able to when they certainly when they go up a tour. I think they should be able to pick where the points or where the attributes go towards. Because you know, if I was in that position of thinking, if I had a really good week and I'd leveled up on a tour, I'd want that to be replicated in, um, or sorry, reciprocated in my. In my challenge tour score. That's what I was just saying. Yeah. So he finishes 26th there. I think that means he gets 26th place points as if he played that challenge tour. Is that a guarantee or is that a choice though? Can no, he... no, it's just, it's a thing. Like oh, if, brilliant. If, so if you, if you get into the event on the way up, like a, a next level event, mm. it's not as if you then don't get the points on your tour. Oh, that's really yeah, cool. So 26 point, place points should count 26 place points back on the tour that he should have been playing, I said, as such. Oh, cool. Because otherwise you would get players who just wouldn't bother going playing. Yeah, they wouldn't take the option. And then, yeah. and then like, the Kazoo Classic then struggles for players because they actually get the players they bring in don't want to play because they're already stuck on their own yeah. tour and don't want to miss out a week. A bit, bit of logic happening there in the old uh, I like that. tour. I like that a lot. It's where it kind of has to be done, like, doesn't it? It's like that stage. chat. Yeah, I love that chat. <laughs> love that chat. And then uh, the LPGA, the, the major at the Evian, did you guys catch any of that? I did. I saw the I saw bits and bobs of the final round because obviously it was one of the things that Sky were trying to cover. Probably as one of their premier events this week. But again, I think I think did we have a single event on tour this week that wasn't actually hampered or suspended at some point with uh, inclement weather? It felt like everyone was this week. Yeah, it was a bit of a shocker, wasn't it? But we had a, a Brooke Henson one for the first time for about five years won a major still, I mean amazing her enough. first major win I think no, it's her second and, okay. she, and she's say 24 and they're saying you know she's had a bit of a five year drought wow. I just find that sort of stuff amazing <laughs> in the women's game five year drought unbelievable is that because they turn pro so young yeah they, they obviously you know women develop faster and they were able to you know they like Lydia Coe she's been uh, she's been around for absolutely forever as well and she's still mid 20s uh, mid early 20s but it was a fascinating l- last round Brooke Henson finally coming through had the lead, was up in the last group, had a bit of a shocking start. The, the last group, I think it was um, Jin Yong Ko and Brooke Henson, both had a four part on the front nine. And it was wow. all, all going awry. Then Lydia Ko did a normal and just shot a great last round like she always does in majors and just seems to be able to turn it out every single time. Then my absolute golf swing favourite, Nelly Corder, she was in the mix for a while and then ended up completely messing up a par five in the back nine. So that was... That was disappointing, and then Schubert looked absolutely in control. I don't think she's, don't think she's won before. They were chatting to her mum before she teed off. She was kind of in the latter groups, and her mum was an absolute nervous wreck. But she didn't look that way. She played fantastic golf down the stretch, made a couple of really good birdies, and then just missed a twelve foot putt in the last to get to seventeen under. And Brooke Henderson was able to birdie the last. So 
to shoot level, didn't she? So she just got it over the line. I think. Yeah, she bounced back. You know, she had that. You know, from going in the lead to losing it, it was a terrible time. But somehow she just was able to turn it around and get herself back in the mix. She's done that a couple of times. The the mental fortitude to do that is just. Is something else. One of these funny things, obviously, you saw it a bit with Darren Clark. He got caught, then had to pull back away. Saw it with Rory recently, but he obviously just fell short. Then saw it with Brooke Henderson. Is it? Is it obviously not complacency, but there must be this different mindset when you go into a Sunday round of golf when you've got a fairly strong lead going into an event, and you just you just change your game plan for whatever reason because all of a sudden it becomes into protecting your score more so than following what you've done the previous three days. And it can, as as much as it can obviously mean that when you go and win by three, a bit of a jog, it obviously looks like you've done the right thing. But there can be an element of it where if someone gets on a real string in the groups behind you, all of a sudden you've got to have a real click, haven't you? And and, and someone creeps up right behind you. Because obviously seen in all three of those scenarios, you know, Clark and Henderson just getting it over the line, Rory didn't. It's um, It can work against you as much as it can work for you sort of thing. Yeah, I mean... Most of them just play their own game, have a have a set game plan, and don't tend to look at the leaderboards until until late on. And that was because we get to watch them. You get to watch the up and downs of every round of golf, really, that you <coughs> tend to you tend to see. But yeah, how how it all pans out is so different, you know. And it comes so much down to people's personalities, how they see off tournaments. But yeah, there's been some there was some fantastic golf. There's you know Charlie Hull up yeah. there again. Didn't win a major, uh, not won a major, but again tied third. She played some really good golf. To Four be honest, final she round, played. She Played really good uh, down the stretch. Didn't make a couple of putts coming in, but you know, just at some point, it's going to click for Charlie Hole. Mm. She played quite a heavy-handed chip on one of the holes, which was disappointing. But around that, a ball striker was absolutely bang on. Georgia Hall, top ten again, and then uh, honourable mention to Lynn Grant, who basically doesn't ever play badly as a professional. She's been a pro for a year. And I don't think she doesn't doesn't fuss with anything outside of a top ten, which is just unbelievable golf. Cool. So. I think one of the funniest things I saw from the LPGA, I'm not, I I'm not sure if you pick this up. This is definitely it's a sort of participation. This, yeah, this is a miniature head's gone. I, I'm pretty sure it was Nelly, actually, who just lost a drive right into the trees. It was evidently this lady's debut uh, event <laughs> at a live golf tournament, sort of looking uh, very nonchalant in her kind of uh, pink um, fitted jeans and a flowery crop top and uh, sees this ball just appear from her in between the trees on her walk path and just thinks, awesome, tight. This probably one <laughs> straight in the pocket just picks it up and starts walking away like well, actually it doesn't start picking it up and put it in her pocket starts waving it at her son or her husband and the marshal start running down like no 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 put it back and Nelly Cord is just standing on the tee box like what in God's name is going on she was very pleased with herself didn't she <laughs> it was amazing unreal really enjoyed that in that instance then I assume that's just uh pick and replace right and then you just carry on yeah, yeah just put it back is that it's not a big deal which sometimes some of the crowds don't don't realize that and they kind of no one wants to own up to who picked it up and where was it but actually you just put it back there's no it's no real so issue. they put it back they don't just play it from where the person left it no because then the person could run up and throw right. up by the green somewhere couldn't they yeah you could pay someone to go out there and just keep kicking my ball 20 yards on <laughs> so yeah so they have to replace it as close as, as close as possible see so yeah. no, brain ticking yeah. over there like, oh, really i really d- d- enjoyed that, that tactic yeah, take that job off. So <laughs> well done to <laughs> Brooke Henderson. Fantastic win there, back in the major circle, major winning circle. And then that brings us to the to the absolute no drama, <sighs> sarcasm intended. Uh, PJ Tour event, which was just absolutely mental. You know, we so weird. We're sitting there doing the doing the commentary for it, thinking my co-host James Gregg going like, "Oh, this is a bit boring. This, you know, uh, 
I mean, he's, he's won this already. Scott Piercy, he's steaming away. He's five ahead. I didn't even bother tuning in. I saw the score when I was on holiday and I thought, I'm not going to make the effort to... Yeah, it was, to it, it was done. We, it was we had said, you know, that's clear it. and he'd had three really solid rounds. He just looked like he was in the zone. And the type of golf he was playing didn't look like he was going to do anything different. He was just... Well, even you know, I think after metronomic. 10 holes, it looked like that, didn't it? Yeah. It, you, you were know, commentating on it. So did you... You still awake at that point? Well... <laughs> Well, he made a bogey. He made, he made two bogeys kind of around, around uh, just up to the ninth, or up, up around the turn. And we thought, okay, well, someone could turn it on and we could possibly, possibly get a playoff somewhere. And then, because you know, Griot was kind of the player we thought, actually, he's playing really good golf. Yeah. Hitting it mile, was a good ball striker in the wind. He could do it. But then he had that ridiculous uh, triple bogey, which was from one bad shot where he threw the green, went into the trees, then took a drop. Then tried to play an absolute hero shot, which it was never he was never gonna be able to pull off, you know, even if you were, you know, a Shane Lowry or Cam Smith, you probably wouldn't have pulled off. And he's not really known for his short game, so that went wrong. He then bogeyed the next and we thought, right, that's that. That's because yeah, he got a triple bogey on seven. That's right, he? yeah, he got a triple bogey. And then all of a sudden, Scott dropped another shot, dropped another shot, and then it was a bit like, Oh, this is a bit more a bit more game on. And then he just got mad unlucky. He got plugged in the face of a fairway bunker to where he wasn't able to then move the ball out of the bunker so he could only advance it but still in the bunker and then still had you know 160 yards over water from the fairway bunker which is an absolute nightmare situation to which he then hits heavy splash in the water and you're thinking oh my goodness then he hits a wedge shot onto the green that spins back off the green not quite into the penalty into the into the water hazard and then ends up making the seven out of nowhere and then it was completely all of a sudden it was game on and next thing, you know, Tony Finau, who was playing quite nice, he kept on, you know, just doing a typical Tony Finau, really, just kind of in the mix, yeah. ripping it, keeps leaving putts short, putts short, putts short. I think this is frustrating. Made a couple of putts, made three birdies in a row, and now he's got, a, you know, at one point had a five-stroke lead and everyone was just capitulating around him. It was just, it was, it was how has this happened? How has this happened? You know, it's, and, and, and thoughts go to Scott Piercy, really, you know, having led, you're thinking wire to wire, win here five ahead you know he's not played well all year and he's not going to keep his card to like all of a sudden being a winner and then now he's then thinking and now the story flicks now to like well if I drop a I'm 136 on the FedEx now now if I stay if I part the last three holes I'm only going to move up to the 107th in the rankings if I drop one shot you're going to get back to the bubble mark which is 125 and it just it's just golf you know the, the roller coaster of emotions it shows you, though, isn't it, the mental aspect of it for someone. Because I, I tuned in when I saw the score changing and his swing looked like it had just gone at that point. Like he just didn't really know what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, that was it. He, he looked, looked like he wasn't going to miss a shot. He was hitting every fairway, giving himself opportunities. And then, as you say, towards the end, he looked like he, he could barely hit it. He just lost Sh- all shoulders feeling. Shoulders were gone. Everything. <laughs> I mean, that drive off the 18th, it probably would have barely flown I thought, I the, thirty yards. I thought the, the tracer was broken. <laughs> <laughs> So what's going on there? Tracer guy's gone home. <laughs> Tracer's guy gone home. Yeah, got his kid, kid five year old kid doing it instead. <laughs> it was weird. It was it Amazing. was it was, it was bizarre. Because the third round he was bouncing around with one shoe on at one point, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He had a blister and on his right away foot. And all happy and then just looking at him in the state he was going down eight. Just a really weird a weekend of golf with with people picking balls up and Scott Piercy playing three quarters of his round in one shoe and carrying his foot joy in his in his hand for, you know, trudging up and down the fairway. It was quite bizarre. I mean, it, I think the class of Finau showed Zed, didn't he? Because he, he was already free under at the point for his round and just slowly just amassing uh, amassing birdies, giving himself chances. Oh, he, he made a couple of birdies early. 
and then he bogeyed nine, and then. But even through that period, he was hitting good shots, but just leaving putts short. So he wasn't really which, in the mix, and he wasn't really yeah. operating. And it was a bit like, oh, this is going to be another Tony Finau, like doesn't quite get it done, you know? Because you know, I'm a massive fan of Tony Finau. Yeah. But something about him, you think, can you just take the shackles off and just like just turn it on here? And it's kept on leaving putts short. So I was reading this short. article. Um, as soon as he, just, sorry, James, just as soon as he got a, as soon as he got a whiff, he actually turned it on, hmm. which is actually not, not what we've seen from Tony before. And he did get slightly lucky on the seventeenth uh, hole where he. <laughs> It's a you know, pass three over water and he's ripped it over the back of the green. Just, just trying to play to the back, really, which was a smart play. And it rips it, it rips it into the bleachers, pings back, back across past the pin, back down the green and ends up just catching up in the rough short of the hazard. On the yeah. yellow line, like literally a metre from the rocks, you know. Yeah, chips it close, you know, and that, that was it kind of done. But it did look like a kind of a different Tony Finn hour. I was thinking, OK, this is great. And then he wings it in the water on the last hole. <laughs> Yeah. And you just think, what is going on? Nobody <laughs> nobody wants it. It was complete hot potato. It was a bit it's, like no one wants yeah. it. It's funny you um it's funny you say that about Fina leaving all his putts short. I was reading this article, he's changed his putter setup this week. And you'll know this from, from being in the game Z. He's changed his putter setup with his new ping putter and he has got five degrees of loft on his putter, which is huge. I mean, so for those that don't know, standard loft on a putter is about three degrees. So five degrees of loft is 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 actually a lot. And more often than not, you might see players on tour because they play on rapid greens, run at around about three and a half so they can strike it a little bit more. But to have five degrees means he's really trying to hit it. And he was short on a lot of putts. He, he looked like he put stuff on a lot of good lines, but started rolling the rock in the back half of the back nine and uh, and, and knocked a couple in. And he did look incredibly solid. And I think the whole funny thing about, you know, we talked about Rory and Victor last week about you do use momentum in your group, don't you, to to thrive upon, you know, Piercy was obviously notably struggling. The other guy in their group was struggling a little bit. And then Grio started, you know, Grio obviously had a triple on the front side. So they, they didn't pull each other along. No. And um, yeah. And, and then obviously it opened the door, opened the door for Tony. Yeah, and it was bizarre up 18, just kind of carving it right into the, into the water. Yeah, <laughs> Does anybody want this tournament? <laughs> yeah, nobody wants well, it. He's the, he's it the highest odd. ranked player, I think, wasn't he? 17th, I think. Well, I think he was, so. I think he was the highest ranked player of yeah. that week. So, I guess that, was, that, that was a few good players playing, but yeah, that was favourite. Mm. I mean, Sung Jae Im, he played unbelievable. Yeah, golf. he, he just, just didn't hold a thing all week. He didn't hold an absolute bean. He's some bull striker, but yeah. it was a bit of a bull striker's event in the end. I guess when the wind gets up, you know, Grio is also known as a bull striker, not much for short game expert. But then special shout out to a couple of your players, Nige. Um, Danny Willett and Callum Tarrant, both Englishmen, finishing top 10, both yeah. well-needed top 10s. Coming to the back half of this season, they're going to... It's interesting, really, because they're, they're nudging towards that. They've not had great starts. Well, Callum Tarrant probably not had as many opportunities, but, you know, getting towards that bubble mark, 125. Yeah. But that 125 is not really 125 now, is it? Because of what's happening with the live tour, so they're gonna players are gonna come out of the order of merit. So that, I mean, right. that must be gives you a few extra people to. It's kind of tricky though, because you don't really know where where do you really stand. You don't know, you know, could you keep your car because someone's gonna go or not go, or just ignore that and just go play. But it's it. There's a lot of uncertainty around that part of the you know that part of the playoff you start. You just gotta go and play. You can't. Yeah, build any of that into your your game. It was good to see Danny. He had a solid three, four days. Well, he struggled, didn't he? Bo- bogeyed one and two. I was thinking, oh no, you've had a good week to this point. Like step it on, and then not a lot dropped for him. Then he shot five under back nine, which is like really digging in, which was great to see. So, yeah, top seventh for Danny and Callum, great. Did, were you guys reporting that he changed coach? He was. Yeah, he's decided to. Um, 
opt away from um, working with Sean Foley for the moment. And uh, about a week and a half ago, he's gone back to his old coach, Mike Walker, who, you know, if you're from the UK, you'll know Mike's a famous UK coach. I think he's heavily involved, isn't he, in the um, country setups there, isn't he, with the England teams and stuff like that from past? Um, I don't, no, that, 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 Graham Walker is. Graham Walker. Yeah, Graham Walker is. Uh, Mike Walker is, you know, he's kind of been under the tutelage of Pete Cowan for a long time. And, and, and in his own right now, he probably coaches more players than Pete. You know, he's a really hard worker and he's got a lot of really good players. So he's obviously nice for Danny to nice to make that switch and see some results straight away. Sometimes, you know what, he's probably telling them exactly the same thing, but you just need to hear it in a different way from somebody else and it gives you something a little bit fresh. And nice to get something, just to get that feedback or get that bounce back straight away and something to take into the end of the season, which he's, you know, we know he's a classy player, yeah. Danny Willett, and he's he's more of a, it's funny really, because he, he, he has these dips in form where he kind of loses, completely loses his way, but then he, when he does play well, he wins big events. So he wins, yeah. Yeah, wins the Masters, wins Wentworth, he wins DP World events. It's it's, yeah. it's it's kind of strange, it's like, but it's not as if he's not someone who's like a relaxed guy and he just can't be bothered. You know, he's quite he's a very energetic, bouncy character, and mm. he works hard and he works hard. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a really it's it's an interesting situation there. Not many players like that. You know, it's, it, it's not through to lack of effort or anything like that. I think what he was saying when we spoke to him in April, just to give some people some inside the ropes insight, was. Um, He'd bit of tour chat for James Slate. Yeah, he's been working uh, with a couple of people and they've been trying to get him to hit a draw and he kind of bought into it and like a sort of, you know, very, very committed player, he's just like gone bang, 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 just tried to find this like little draw. And then I think I think it was his caddy actually, Smarty, who's a really lovely guy, he just said, mate, we have won so much money hitting a tight fade. Like That's funny because when I played with him when I first turned pro, he hit everything right to left. He didn't have a left right in him and he was an unbelievable striker. And I remember playing with him and uh, during that time, him, Ollie Fisher, uh, Chris Wood and Rory McIlroy. And people would say, oh, who's, who's been the most impressive? And it was all, for me, it was always, uh, Danny impressed me more than Rory did at that time. Rory hit it great, you know, he hit it high and, and whatever, but... Danny's absolutely crushed it. And he would just hit driver down. He would hit these like full out drivers. And he was long then. Like he's Still average long. now, like average to long. But then he was like really long. And he just hit this like 12 yard draw down the tightest holes right out the middle and just pump it down there. And I just thought this kid's like a world beater because he's, he's brilliant with a wedge. Yeah. His wedge play is really, really good. Yeah. And then he, yeah, he's, he's changed. When he went to Pete the first time, he, he started hitting it left to right. And then he, you know, he kind of won the Masters and so forth. So he's, he's messed about with his game, which is maybe that's part of the what we're trying to find out here, why he hasn't been more consistent than he is. Yeah, well, and, and he's, like you said, he's won eight or nine times on tour, so he's he's got a fairly prolific record and in some pretty big events and notched up some fairly big checks. But um, they had said to him to go back to hitting a fade and he was notably struggling on the range at Augusta and then he went out and made the cut and ended up having a top 12, I think, at Augusta where you didn't think he had much game at all. And has just yeah carried on trying to find it and grind it back in. Yeah, he's obviously working extremely hard to find something in the um, penultimate part of the season. Callum Tarrant coming home in five under par, really tidied his tournament up because at one point he was like in the mix, you know, going into Saturday after yeah. off the back of a really good, uh, I think it was second round. They spent a bit of time talking about Callum in the skybox, and they've said if he just converted like one or two of his chances to the Thursday, Friday, Saturday golf into the Sunday golf, he'd probably be really home and dry with retaining his card now. He's just struggling a bit on Sundays, but no doubt. Just, just that bit of pressure, isn't it? Yeah, we, I mean, we've I've done a couple of times because 
when we do the, the commentary for Eurosport and Discovery on the weekends, we're always trying, you know, especially small events, you're trying to look for a bit of a story. And we're like the, the English fraction. So we're always like, right, Callum Taran, where is he? And he's been, in, you know, he's been on our screens a little bit. Yeah. He's a very impressive player, hits the ball absolutely miles. But, you know, he's just, you can just tell he's not been out there for years and doesn't, hasn't quite found the formula to how, what, how do you, what's your energy need, need to be like on a Saturday and then what's it need to be like on Sunday? But he's obviously getting closer. A good finish like that, five under on the back nine. You know, he's going to do his confidence absolute world of good. I think that would be a potential tweak of, you know, like, you know, really experienced caddy coming into the fray there, just guiding you through those last nine holes. I think, yeah, I think I think there's a part of that. But the, the, the most important part, which are, this sounds really elementary and it sounds almost too basic, and I was told it by, by Mark Rowe because I had a similar thing when I, I was kept on getting off to good starts and I just couldn't quite finish the tournaments off. And it's quite a hard skill, really. And it becomes quite frustrating and then it builds up and you feel like you've got a bit of a monkey in your back and you think, oh, am I ever going to do it? And what, you know, must be, I must be doing something wrong or what's the, what's the key? And I remember I sat, sat with Mark Rowe at the British Masters at the Belfry and he said to me, I've seen you keep getting some good tournaments, you know, like, you know, not quite finishing it off. And I said to him, I just, you know, just not really worked out what the formula is. And he said to me, Zane said, one day you'll shoot a 69 on the last round and said, you won't ever look back. You just have to do it, and that was and that was it. And I did, and I, I well I shot that good last round. All of a sudden, all the weight just goes, and you go, "Oh, that's it. I can do it's it." It's done. It's a bit like when you break ninety. You you, know, you start golfing, you're trying to get down, and you, and you break a hundred. That's fine. And then you think, oh, "I've got to break ninety. Got to break ninety. You get ninety one, and you get close to it, and you don't. And then one day, the day you break ninety, you just you never look back, do you? Yeah. And it's exactly the same. Is it is the same experience that these guys are going through? They just you do it once, and you just go, oh, "I can do that." And then it's and then it's completely gone. Do, do the golfers have like mind coaches? Is that part of the formula these days? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much part of the formula these days. I mean, it's it's almost evolving. It, it seems. It seemed like. But does one person do loads of golfers, or do they all have their own little? Yeah, there, there's a there's a few there's a handful. Of, I don't know about the PGA Tour. I know in Europe there's there's like two or three guys that look after quite a few golfers. Um, but then it's almost that wave's almost passing a little bit because it used to be. No one really did it. And then it was like, you know, in the Faldo days, it, it was like well, a, a mental thinking. weakness. It used to be talked about a bit, when exactly. it was like becoming a fashion, but is then it, it, is a, it a fashion? Yeah, is it, it gone or is it still heavily used? I don't think it, I think more now, everyone's kind of drifted towards this like performance, you know, it's kind of fashionable to have a performance coach who works on your game directly right. with you. It's not quite as prevalent that you have a psychologist come out on the course, because I think a lot of them, a lot of them are finding, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not speaking for everyone here, that, you know, a lot of the psychologists don't, don't necessarily relate to, you know, you're almost better speaking to someone who's been there and done it. it yeah. Mm. You know, and, and it, not saying it's not good to have a psychologist or a therapist to sort you out in your own life and make you a better human being. But I think in terms of how it comes to golf, it, do, it doesn't always make you a better it's a golfer. It's a very unique situation, mm. you know, yeah. and understanding that you've probably been working for 20, 30 years at this to get to that point. You take a lot of solace from relatable feelings, don't you? Someone else who's been in that position at that given time. I think... Um, Fado used to speak like Fanny was pretty much his his mind coach. I mean, she she talks about post Fado's career um, when people ask her about you know what was it like six time major champion you know technically so gifted went through swing changes and she used to talk about how she would manage his mind as much as his game and I think you know part of that's a partnership isn't it as well you know and then that like you say it's evolved now and performance coaches you you know the rise of of Dave Allred obviously you know and what he's achieved with some players in the game's been quite it's quite crazy. So there's um, been chat that Rory's been does spend time with Doc, Dr. Bob Rotella. Really? Yeah, I think um, Dr. Bob Rotella was like he was like the main 
you know, kind of mind guru of generation when I start came through, and it still seems like he's the, in terms of a golf psychologist, he's like the best one. I think to be a golf psychologist, I think it's such a tricky, a tricky space to to kind of live in and operate in because I think I think there's been a lot of guys, been a lot of golf psychologists over the time over the time have been charlatans really, They're just clinging on talking to people about golf, don't really know anything about it, but because they've got yeah. something after their name that makes them an expert, but doesn't necessarily make you a better golfer. Today's golfer always used to pump Carl Morris as the uh, the big guy in the mind space. Like yeah, he's he, been good for a long time, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, he's always had a few pages in the uh, in the old today's golfer. Uh, Got a few of his tips for us, James. I don't know. He used to draw squares on fairways and uh, see if you can hit it in a box. That was um, I remember that, but that was a few years ago. Helpful. Yeah. That sounds like performance as opposed to. Well, I mental. think it's probably about the mind side of it. Would probably be about like you know reduce the size of your target, but and then you can have a wider expectations and you know if you're trying to aim at a pinpoint area and you've actually then made the area that you can hit it into that much bigger. But I think Zane's absolutely on the money. I think it does relate a lot back to performance. You know, it's but it's about trying to create the the positive thinking, I guess, and the execution that you can do it from a mental perspective and then, then the delivery, right? I, I yeah, exactly. I mean, if anyone is looking for some kind of like golf psychology mind help, sounds like you need to reach out to James Slate. He knows, he knows all the tricks. He read all the books. I'll go and do a weekend PhD and I'll be with you. <laughs> Online. Online. Do you have to get dressed? Yeah, exactly. Just the top half. Wear my pants <laughs> on the bottom half for the Zoom calls. Pants on your head. Brilliant. <laughs> Okay, so let's roll into some chat, which we can't can't get away from at the moment. Hopefully, we won't always have to talk about it, but we we should talk about it. What's going on with the, the live golf uh, revelations? Is what I've got written down here. Hmm. We'll start with the, the first one of you know the the, the ex Ryder Cup skipper Henrik Stenson turning to the dark side of the hmm. live. What do we think about that? I think it was inevitable. You know. He's in the same management company, uh, which is a small boutique management company of, of Poulter, Westwood and Horsfield. Yeah. They've already gone. It just felt like it was that the timing was going to be there. He'd already... It's like having your mates in a party and you're not invited, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's you stand outside looking through the window. He's looking at them on the jet or boozing. <laughs> thinking, <laughs> Why has he got a slightly nice jet than me? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll caddy for you. I'm on a major. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. It's obviously. I just felt it was inevitable, and there was never going to be a right time to announce that. And and it's gonna. I I, I think the only. Look, I understand it, and he's gone, and he's within that age bracket of the players that have gone, and rightly so. And it maybe it's like you know, it's like a footballer who turns thirty, who's in for his last big contract of his career. He feels like he's probably in that space with his golf career, so you can understand why he's getting amongst it. I think it was just, the, I think just everybody who loves golf and has been around it for so ever many years is just, the only reason it's a bit sour is because they're just so worried about what this means for the Ryder Cup, you know? And the expectation and the romance of Europe versus America in, in my lifetime has always felt like Ryder Cup points to players are as important as anything else that they can achieve. You know, it is an absolute honour to represent your continent uh, this just feels like it's it's dampened that you know. Well, your fan base goes up from a few million to like, tens of millions in a Ryder Cup, doesn't it? And the whole energy level and the whole and also a team event, which is something very rare yeah. for these golfers to experience. So the Ryder Cup points are so valuable. And I mean, he made it very clear in his letter that he he tried you know Liv were trying to accommodate him still fulfilling his obligations as the. Yeah, the captain, but it's easy to write those things. I, I wonder where that's going to where that's going to end up because the way it looks right now is that, that the Ryder Cup's kind of been decimated. Really, 
from the, uh, the US team is going to be completely pulled apart now. You know, the real, the big names you know, that we want to see at the moment are now not eligible. We're obviously now losing some some European players. I mean, we've lost Henrik. Henrik was, was the captain. I'm not sure which players we've lost so far, but I'm sure that there's more to come. And that's going to happen, you know, in that time. And you just think, what, what will a Ryder Cup now look like? You know, will they play this next one? And after that, it's not going to... It's not going to hold the same weight that it won't, but the other you, ones have. You've got to think probably just captains' picks on the European side. You need. It? I just think that the, the thing about the Ryder Cup was it was it's the best players in the world. It's the best player, the best players we got. I know barring the rest of the world players, but essentially, you know, as we know it as Europeans, that's the best players, and that's what it all revolves around. This is like the spectacle of the two tours coming together, and then all of a sudden, when you those tours are being depleted, probably by by the time it comes around by fifty percent. Now, it's not going to hold the same sort of weight, surely. So right now, as of today, the American team, if it was just like, if, if they wanted to have available to them the top 12 ranked players in the world, Scheffler, Cantley, Shoffley, Thomas, Morikawa, Sam Burns, Spieth, Zalatoris, Horschel, Finau, DJ, Cameron Young, Max Homer, Brooks Kepka, Kevin Kisner, Daniel no, Brooks, Berger. Surely. So Brooks would be the twelfth highest ranked player, yeah. So, but, he, but he's not in it, right? No. So, so obviously DJ and Brooks would be. Yeah. Um, so they'd have ten yeah. of the top twelve options. Yeah. So if you were going purely on the whole, the eight highest ranked players and then four captains' picks, mm-hmm. he's taken a couple of picks away from but himself. The, but the rankings are going to continually drop for the live players, obviously. Yeah, and, as and time goes on. And you know what? Like, Looking at the American teams, I think probably to uh, alleviate Zane's point, the American team then actually is in pretty strong shape, but what does it mean for the European team? I mean, you yeah. know, Bar, Rory and Rahm, Matt Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, and then you start going into, you know, Lowry's still there. Fleetwood will be in there, won't he? Fleetwood's the next ranked player. He's come out, Tyrrell Hatton. Then Paul Casey is the seventh highest ranked player. He's gone. Yeah, uh, Seamus Power, he's having a great year. He, he would be there. So, yeah, Justin Rose, then he, Alex Noren. You start sort of, you know, going quite a further way down the down the down the road, and that's today. You know, who else is going to sign? Who else is going to go? Yeah, they, they, you kind of feel like they've got to come some sort of arrangement, some sort of agreement where they can become eligible again. You know, just for I think more for the DP World Tour really, and the PJ Tour will press on, and it will be quite good. And as it looks in the moment, yeah. uh, no, actually, no, I don't have a crystal ball, but it looks like it's going to become a bit of a live and PJ Tour kind of golfing world over the next, you know, five, ten years. You know, what's going to happen in ten years, but. Whereas it seems like the DP World Tour are going to really take the hit on all this, and it is that's that's going to be a real shame. I mean, they've signed their thirteen-year alliance saying with PGA Tour. I mean, I, it, Which it just seems like it's just going to become a PGA Tour. Yeah, it's just going to become an extension of the. It's all going to be PGA Tour, and, and they, you know, and it's, it seems like that that signing a strategic alliance during the COVID like high pandemic is going to come back to bite the DP World Tour. What do you think actually the PGA Tour's intention of that is? Because if I'm if I'm being really cynical, I actually think they're going to use the DP World Tour to dip their toe with the risk taking about how they try and alleviate the Live Tour. If it blows up in their face, a little bit like it did with the banning of players and also fines from the Scottish and the BMW, then it looks crap for the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour gets to sort of walk out the back door and, and not take any responsibility for it. But, you know... People were hoping that the alliance with it was going to be like it would free up more cash. The purses of those events would get that much more exciting. There would be opportunities for co-sanctioned events. Players could qualify maybe across from Challenge to Corn Ferry. Or, you know, they were hoping that there was going to be this whole 
kind of uh, world structure. We haven't heard anything like that. Okay, so what what we've seen so far is that the, like the Scottish Open was a PJ Tour event, yeah, and DP World event. But really, as a as a viewer, it was a PJ Tour event. This happened to be in Scotland, and then you know, then the uh, like the Travellers and the Barbasol, you know, there was quite a few European you know players in there. So mm. it almost like they they kind of flip rolled really. And I think that's how it's going to go. The okay. the European Tour event tour players they're going to get into the, all the small events. I think the difference is now it's just going to be played. You know, the PJ Tour coming into the DP World Tour just get a, a greater global coverage they're able to now cast their net further you know, they've, they've gone China they've gone South America they've now been able to go right they're going to throw their net over Europe and then into the parts of Asia where you know where the DP World Tour already go you know that's and then that's going to be another battle because Asia Asia are going to get stronger so that that's they're going to push back um you know it's a bit of a it's always going to be a bit of a military operation really but it just seems like that the DP World Tour is just going to become, just make the PJ Tour bigger. Which you know what I think there's too many PJ Tour events. Mm. There's this, it, there's like you know as a as a fan as an entertainment package, we almost need a little bit less. Yeah, you do to have bigger events. It's almost like there's too, much too many to events. Keep, keep on top of yeah, yeah. every every weekend, four days of golf. Is and is in this little period now that we're in right now, which feels like you go on holiday a little yeah. bit like the, you know the lot of the bigger players now they've just played their major calendar like all four majors they're just trying to kind of you know probably reconnect with like what do they need to do to compete for those kind of events next yeah, they year just need to, well they're just like now in a break getting ready for the playoffs yeah they're all in a break now i think that yeah. or, or drinking beers quite impressive wasn't it yeah, I mean, you've got the playoffs coming up, which is quite exciting. You've got those four events, which I think if you wrap all the four events, it, probably, it kind of creates quite a good little product and it has a quite a good end ending to it, which doesn't quite hit the... It's, it kind of becomes a bit like a major because it's a bit of a story in itself across the, all the four events. But yeah, it does seem very odd. And talking about beers out of Claret Jugs, there's obviously a big chat about Cam Smith going across to the going across to the dark side, which would oh, be a real hit, that, because, you know, walking off the back, have our open champion, and we know that... To then, if if he's going to go and 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 it makes the character sense, well, the that Cam that Smith, the way he won the Open and the players, you know, he's the, you know, the sub character is he's quite clearly a kind of guy who doesn't really he's not not a everyone. I mean, everyone's counting the dollars, but he wants to compete. Like you kind of get that buzz from him. He doesn't. He wouldn't really necessarily know if he's got ten million or twenty million in the bank. Yeah, he's out there just doing. You know, and he's he's openly said that you know before he said that he doesn't need the money. He doesn't really actually know how much money he's got. He just wants he wants to be playing against Rory. He wants to be doing that against mm. you know, down the stretch to the players, you know, at the Open Championship. And it just seems like by going to the live, like it or not, it's just not as competitive over there. And and that those statements will be somewhat undermined, right? Because if you want to be playing against the best players in the world, you need to be in the tournaments that have the number one ranked player in the world in them. And people keep saying about about you know this. I mean, I've I just said it there. People keep saying about you know, that want to play against the best players. The more players that are going. The more appealing it is because there mm. are good players over. It's more of a, an excuse, but under underpinning all that, they're not what these players have grown up with. They're not major championships. They're not really as competitive as much as they're trying to beat. Yeah, you know, I mean, some of the other, other podcasts I listen to put it quite right. It's almost a bit of a. On the, yeah. They're a bit member guest like those those events. You know, they're kind of competitive, <laughs> but a bit of fun. We have a bit of, a bit of fun on the plane on the way over and whatever. On the yeah, on the flip side though, if you draw back from it, you and I had an off-air conversation midweek and we had a little chat about it and you pull yourself back from it, you it kind of makes a lot of sense. Cameron Smith's Australian, Greg Norman's, you know, most famous Australian golfer ever. He has got like a quirky mullet and like a decent and a, and a decent set of bike handles like under his nose. 
you know, he, he is in there just getting absolutely loose as a goose, like out of his claret jug of his caddy, which has been exemplified a little bit by some of the party antics that have happened on the live tour. And I, I was hearing that they had around about 75 million on the table for him after winning the open. They, they, he got another 50% on that. It's $125 million. Well, wait a minute, James. You've got a source, have you? What, what's your source? Are you going to reveal? My source is... Um, Twitter. A, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a guy who's called Inside the Tour, but he spelt Tour, T-U-O-R, but I don't want to tell him because I like following him in case he blocks me. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. so he is uh, he's my tomato catch-up. I mean, look, whether the numbers are real or not, obviously he's trending in the right direction. He's probably one of the first players who've come in at a point and they look like they're still getting better and better and better because there's no denying he, he arguably should have won the Masters he won the one Sawgrass has gone and won the Open in super impressive fashion and I think one of the things we said if you look at his sponsors he's not that bothered about the off-course stuff and trying to make you know significant amounts of off-course cash with uh, you know he just likes his penguin clothes he likes the manufacturer that he so represents then where, where's the motivation for him to go well, the motivation probably... He, he must like money or someone around yeah, him likes money. that's what I mean. I, th- I think it is... But this has been the first off-course deal where it is absolutely life-changing amounts of cash where it makes it... It's not like Rory, is it, with his $150 million tailor-made deal? He doesn't need to sign for Liv. He's, he's got off-course deals that match Liv money, as is Tiger. Cameron Smith's probably not not in that conversation at the moment where he's getting those kind Can of you deals. ask, ask well, your boy on should, Twitter if, if, he's, he, if he knows how much... He has a haircut, he might get a short... And and that's the thing, isn't it? For the PGA Tour, where all of the, you know, the very clean cut individuals who are exactly. the, who are the marketing individuals, whereby he probably exemplifies what they're trying to create on the on the Live Tour. Beers and golf. I think his, his he must he must be one of the pop, most popular golfers out there at the moment. I don't think anyone he has is, anything yeah, negative to say about people Cam like Smith. him. Yeah, like, exactly, he yeah. goes for the pin and shots where like he just doesn't care. He plays a great brand of golf. He just yeah. goes out Exciting and plays the game, and you can you can just see he just wants to play golf. Yeah, 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 he's not in it for the the money. He's not in it for the branding or the the popularity. Well, he's just doing it because he's pa- grown up like, playing golf and he Patrick, wants to just play golf. Patrick Cantlay's playing golf, and then the next group, Cam Smith's there. You, who are you going to go and watch? No brainer. And yet they're both fantastic players, aren't they? It's mm. an absolute no-brainer for you know, for all reasons around golf and just the way that he plays golf. Not they both probably hit the ball the same distance, both great around the greens and stuff. But he does kind of embody what new golf is. Yeah, so. and it's just you know people latching onto it is that you've got a great golfer there who's strongly appealing to the public. Just hopefully he doesn't get a girlfriend. That'll mess things up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever you do, Cam, don't get a missus. So then, yeah, well, we're going to say who is next, but I think they're two pretty big ones there. That's um, yeah, that's kind of rock the golfing world. If Cam Smith, if Cam Smith goes, he hasn't. Well, they, that won't happen yet. till they reckon the very end. This the season. next one, yeah. Well, they've also you want to see out the FedEx Cup season, yeah, of course. Money. Now, now he's yeah. up there on that. They've also, so those rumours are going to be circulating for the next couple of months. But now. do you think? Do you think the PGA Tour, if they think it's pretty much like a done deal, they'll say to him, "Sorry, you can't play in the events." You can't. How can you? You can't. You can't speculatively ban signed. somebody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't speculatively say, "Oh, you might sign, so we're going to ban you." You know, they're struggling to ban people who have signed. So, yeah, it's not. It's not cool. And Sergio Garcia, he's he's done his whole. He's backed out from the tour. So yeah, you know, we'll see. And beyond, that beyond, beyond that, they've obviously signed David Ferrity now, so they've got some broadcasters in there, like some big name broadcasters. They're having a conversation with Gary McCord, so that I mean, that's, their coverage is about to get a lot more entertaining. Yeah, you, have yeah, you haven't guys. had a call yet, Zane. Then, 
Now I'm fielding the call. I, I, I don't answer uh, numbers that are not saved on my phone. <laughs> and I don't check my WhatsApps. I've got you don't answer to the Nigerian princes. No, I've got 242 unread WhatsApps. There's probably they're probably in oh there somewhere. God. Yeah, they're probably in there. Probably in there. I don't even know 242 people. Let alone to ignore. I've got 23,621 emails Why? unopened. That sounds like you need a PA. So send in your uh, applications to info at beartiger.io to help uh, help Zane out. Uh, obviously, Zed over over and above um, them signing Henrik. You know they've they've, they've also signed Charles Howe the Third, Jason Cockrat this week. So you know uh, I've I've always been a fan of Charles Howe the Third. I can relate so much to watching him. Like he reminds me of watching golf twenty years ago. Yeah, good actually. Like good for him. He's always been in the shadows a little bit, but had a an exemplary PGA Tour he's career. A brilliant player, isn't he? He's, he's like got a mustard game and he's gone about his business. Not won very much, but, you know, just racked up the dollars. He's not really a loss, is he? Uh, I mean, I don't, I can't really see why they've signed him to a certain extent. You know, yeah. he's not going to move the needle. You know, Greg actually came out and said that he's getting, he's fielding calls from agents now and now he can't fulfil them. You know, I, I think Charles Howe's great and I, he's got one of my favourite golf swings. I think he rips it, all these different things, but... To me, that just seems like a bit of an odd signing over keeping some cash back for, you know, a younger, more dynamic player. You know, he's towards the end of his career. He, he He's made, what, 40, probably nearly $50 million. And most golfers wouldn't even know who he is mm. if he came on the screen. And what's the strategy, Liv, when they keep, if they keep signing good players? I think the strategy is... Do they, do they, do they, will they grow the keep, field? Keep or will they... Is it, it 48, isn't it? 48, yeah. I mean, yeah, people so get pushed happens? out. So, so, like, Garcia signed up, and then eventually he's the 49th best player they've got. They just, what, they, they rip up the contract and he's not See playing. Later. Well, he'll, he'll have, he's like got nowhere to go. Well, I guess he'll have, um, he'll have a guaranteed... Uh, I think the contract's over five years. So we a guaranteed amount of money, and whether he gets in or doesn't get in, he'll still get paid. They'll probably just add extra teams, though, wouldn't they? Because if they get a bigger... I mean, I guess it's a short... We'll see what they start, do. I mean, that's so their whole... You only yeah. have 48 players on the yeah, course. Well, unless you go to a... You'd have to go straight from 48 to 96 and have a 2 T start. We're saying kind of belittles our whole product. The yeah. whole product is we have the 48 best players and that's what you want to see. Because you don't, you know, like it or not, 150-man field, there's all the different stories. If you're in golf, you understand it, but it's probably a bit too many players, really, mm. if you're being really honest. That's why they have the cut, really. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. So then, yeah, I mean, they, they've just got to keep it there. And the other players are now going to be pushed out and they're talking about, you know, how they're pushed out to go and play in the Asian Tour to fill their schedule which is kind of funny right because if you think someone signs for five six seven million dollars signing on fee five-year deal and within six months time like you say it keeps getting this exponential interest and like better players better players come in then you can never get in an event you know someone might turn around and say i know you got to play for a living but you were averaging 2.25 million on tour on a pga tour you've now got seven million over five years you can't get in an event and you can't get back on the PGA Tour, you can't get back on the DP World Tour. So when we actually sit here and analyse, you can sit around and do nothing with your thumb up your jacksie for $7 million, but you would have actually earned $11 million if you were playing golf based on what you've averaged in the past. And there will be a couple of stories that I reckon that will come out like that where there'll be a few head scratchers thinking, mm, didn't see that coming, thought I was going to be guaranteed to be getting my $170,000 for shooting 800 over um, every week on my eight events. So... There's, yeah. there's so much there's so much to this isn't there there's, and it's going to keep rumbling on so we have to just keep our eye on it over the next well, it helps week us, that's half an hour content so thank you Liv yeah that's, thank that's you yeah thanks very much right so we want to uh, just touch on a project that we're where well, this is reborn out of really 
and um, trying to explain a little bit about the Bear Tiger Club. So we're not going to dump the whole massive <laughs> scope of it on you in the next oh, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. But we're just going to run for a little bit of it. So who wants to... Uh, James likes words. So let's go. What, what is the, the Bear Tiger Club, James? I'm going to put it on you to put the pressure on you. So you, you, you do take all the We're words, the and then what we'll do is we'll... You um, be able to do the elevator pitch. Yeah, no pressure. And uh, we'll try uh, and simplify it all for us. Yeah, I mean, look, fundamentally, when this project started, and it's grown now, and we've got a great board, you know, the mission statement has not moved from wanting to build the biggest digital community in golf, and that is absolutely still where we stand and what we're trying to achieve. We've looked at doing that through a multitude of different ways, you know, in the past and feel like we've found and fallen upon something where we can utilize enhance the new technology through the blockchain to create a really transparent forum where we can grow a business now um, that is absolutely for the people and have multiple revenue streams and streams of interest for the consumer that will allow them to have, you know, a one-stop shop for golf, but somewhere that they can certainly come for a multitude of things. So just real quick, just so, so I'll be the translator it's a it's a club which is housed you know, on the blockchain, mm-hmm. which is what's the blockchain? A blockchain is well, there's multiple blockchains. It is um, what's the blockchain we're on? Did, we're we're we'll, on. We'll get the, the multiple blockchains later. What what is what's the blockchain in simple terms? We're on the Ethereum blockchain. Right, great, and that's gonna that's gonna house our digital membership card. It's gonna house our digital country club and our digital membership cards. Correct. Right, so if you hold a digital membership card, that gets you membership to the club. Correct. And what else did it get you? A multitude of things. It'll be access to our um, training app, which I know you're working very hard at building the content for, an enlarged and growing community, our line of merch, which we're partnering with Jay Lindbergh in the coming days, weeks and months, in real life and digital golf competitions, and just a whole host of things. So it sounds like it's a pretty much a normal golf club without the without the actual golf course at the moment and the bricks and water, all the other parts of like the coaching and Mixing with people, networking, competitions, equipment, all that chat. Media channel. So all the media stuff, which basically if you're a member or not a member, just part of the community, you can go and watch all the golf stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And there's three there's free levels of membership. So the general public, what will become the Bears and Tigers, for which there is a supply of two lots of 5,972. And then our GOATS, which is our premier range of of members, which is an invite-only process by our founders, which have been brought in as individuals who are probably in the athlete high-level blockchain world at the moment and corporate celebrities who are coming in from an advisory and influence spectrum as well at the moment to assist us with the very, very early stages of of our business as well. Pretty good. Thanks. Nigel, what's your take on it? Well, I'm. A, How would you explain it? It can't beat that. You know, <laughs> I'm a, exactly that. You know, I'm a, I'm a member. I've got my goat, my my NFT, as it's called, my, my digital membership card. And you know, it's exciting being part of a, what is a, a small startup at the moment, but growing rapidly with a lot of really good people around, and uh, you know, building genuine revenue streams for, in this business, which is which is something I enjoy doing. Yeah, it, it's good fun because it's, it's it's kind of a space where you can kind of do what you want take it in any direction we want because golf's been a bit stuck in you know these are the rules this is the way it's always been you're not allowed to do not allowed to operate outside these rules and then now we're moving to this time of you know it's always been like you know like the term like grow the game like i think that's bs like what is it? what even is that just golf being here grows the game and then you know open and golf being open for all which again is a bit lazy we're actually what we want to make it we want to make golf welcoming accessible accepting of everybody from whatever walk of life you come from 
golf has a place for you. And I just feel like we're able, you know, in this, one of our main goals of this is to make that possible. You know, whether you're, whether you play golf, you know, like, like Nigel, since you're a boy and you've been a member of, like, you know, very old school clubs and can trim golf that way right through to, you know, I always use the example of my son who doesn't, he's no, not interested in hitting balls. He'll hit like three or four shots once he's going to play in the bushes or go and play on his, on his <laughs> Stack switch. Stack the golf balls is a good exactly. thing. My girls love it. He, Get, exactly. Do the yeah. pyramid of balls as opposed to hit the balls. And yeah. they, but they, they, they were probably happier to play golf on a, on a device than they would be to go and have to stand there and grind it out. Yeah. You know, hitting high draws for, for an hour or so. And then, you know, it doesn't, you know, whether you're male or female or whatever culture you're from, what colour you are, should make any difference and, and it can golf can be quite intimidating walking into a clubhouse but essentially here what we're saying is you know you can be a member doesn't matter where you're from and you know our clubhouse is going to be digital so you can yeah. you can be the person or look however you want to look going in there that doesn't that makes absolutely no difference there's, there's so two- it's, a, it's a nice it's a nice way to be able to you know hopefully we're ticking quite a lot of boxes but there's an avenue for each person and we what we don't want it to be is no intimidation if you've got if you're very affluent and you want to experience golf in that way, we can cater for that. And then if you're just starting golf and you've got no money, there's a way of coming in and getting involved and being a part of it. And, you know, hopefully we can service some of that and help you through and help enrich your yeah. life through golf. Just Even if you just come in at that level and just harness the community to try and find people in your local village, town, city, or within a commutable area that you can go and play golf with, that means that we've helped. And that's great. And just to come back on your point there, there's two things that really struck me about what we're doing with this project, which means we're definitely heading in a really exciting in the right direction. The first one actually is with Roman. And when we were first down in the den, our lab, uh, for those that are wondering what that is, we designed the, <laughs> we designed our digital country club. Roman being eight years old, you know, same as my daughter, is into, um, you know, but he's super astute from a, a um, technology perspective and knows his way around things that I wish I, I knew now, let alone when I was eight years old. And he took our digital country club and started building the interiors for it. Like, And within a couple of days, he put a fireplace in and he'd put this digital lounge in and there was a restaurant and there was these things hanging on the wall and there was a, a, a like a foyer and this... this That's a good um, point, actually. He sent me his invoice the other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was your bank details, so I didn't pay it. Um, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, hang on a second, we've done something really cool here. Someone's interacted with their child and when we build our golf first hour, which will go into loads of theatres in the future, it will, it will warp a load of brains. You know, that means you can do something with your child who's not quite got their swing in a golf club experience yet, but they found something super enjoyable. Mm. The other thing was playing in monthly medals. You know, it's great playing in your golf country club and there may be 60, 70 people in there. And that's really special to win. I do like the idea of being able to win a medal where like 100,000 people are playing and that'd be pretty cool to tell your grandkids because you can accommodate a now a global digital country club. So probably a high chance of a playoff. Yeah, can you imagine? We've got, we've we've got, got a playoff. 2,000 people in our playoff. It's 2,011 people. Can you all be online at this time? Yeah, so uh, you know, it won't get dark in the uh, in the metaverse. Don't worry, Nigel. But yeah, you know, so things like that are some of the things that we're working towards and we're building and, you know, we'll release it um, over the course of time. But if we get those things right and, and we carry on working in this direction, it's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's the, there's so many ways that can it be, can be consumed. You know what? And if someone just watches one of our videos, that you know, you, you're you're very much welcome to be a part of our community, and that's a, mm. that is a start. Which you've been working really hard on. We we kind of launched our first decent YouTube film uh, this week. The link stuff. We got some a bit a bit more from our. We had a trip down to Prince's. Yeah, the whole team went down. We played the cat and mouse game, which was really great fun. And then we've got some more pieces coming from there. So we have got just our game that we played. 
um, which was great fun. Josh and I battled it out. James walked around in a huff, providing the real entertainment when it comes down to it. Then we did some. We did a one cup challenge, which we're going to be releasing soon. Which James provides even more entertainment um, on there, which is fantastic. And then Josh is dropping a few. Uh, Josh and myself a few tips on other videos from how to play links golf. So that was a that was really good fun. We're going to got plenty more of that coming up. Had the, uh, we had the warm up video, but yeah, and uh, we, had, we, actually, we actually got Nigel for one of the which we need to edit some of that footage. The Matt Fitzpatrick bunker shot. We had Nigel for that part, which was. Exciting. We don't need to rush on that one. You got it out. It was good. We're talking about the ball, aren't we? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm quite happy that content comes out. That was one of my better shots. So that was yeah. You had a good bunker shot. Yeah, it was nice. So we're running pretty long. So we've got quite a few more bits to get through. We're going to cut a couple of them and save them for next week. But let's have a quick run. We do every week. Head's gone. James, who's your head's gone? Well, it's got to be Scott Piercy, isn't it? I mean, it's it, hard not to have him as the top there. It was tough to watch, but it was a but it was a whopping heads gone. I mean, to have been so pure for three and a half rounds. I mean, I know he had the triple on fourteen, which you could sell just like sucked all the final life out of him. But he also had six bogeys as well. You know, it was just a yeah. It was that. I mean, it was yeah. No good was it? And then yeah. Then obviously, like you said, when when um, one of the four year olds broke into the studio and managed to shot tracer on eighteen, <laughs> he sort of hit one right out, hit one right out of the adapter. Um, yeah, yeah it was, you, you, it's not often you watch the game when you start to feel really sad and yeah. sort of like oh, I know how to put feels. some sad music over the top of it. <laughs> but, it's a little but, bit gloomy. But I, I mean, I, I sort of I was a bit pissed off with the PJ Tour people that did the video. Or the highlights because I, I tuned in this morning. Because Is that missed, what you wanted? I wanted to see what happened on that, that yeah. the, on, on the hole where he blew up and got his triple bogey. And I, so I watched the round four highlights and they Didn't literally it. just mention it briefly in the commentary. They don't even show a single shot that's got played. And it's just, you know, two things strike. You know, I can understand they don't want to show bad golf, but, you know, I wasn't going to tune into that event because, you know, it was, I just thought it was a foregone conclusion. And so, publicizing the fact that you it's not over till it's over and actually it turned out to be you you were commentating it was a, a relatively was it nail biting i don't know it was just dramatic because it, it dramatic, looked like yeah. nobody mm. was wanting to win it and you know it was just and tony was just sliding along there playing some solid golf <laughs> and he got it and 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 so you know i if i'd known this likelihood of more happening i'd be in there i'd watch it <laughs> nice yeah. so it was it your was it your head gone as well no, I, I'm, your, I'm, your I'm, I'm, the, PGA I'm Tour. The, the person that edits the PGA Tour, the PGA roundup. Tour social media content yeah. roundup guy. You can't, yeah. you know, him. and also tweet him. You, yeah. tweet him. Find <laughs> him. TVTC Big Night. Find I can't him. wait for this. Find him. Be on him. that geezer. Yeah, get on it. We'll be on that. I'm gonna uh, just to add to another head card. My one was uh, Nelly Corder. Switched on the uh, women's golf, and Nelly Corder was up there. I was thinking, right, my favorite golfer, favorite golf swing. Right, she's gonna smash this. And she hit it in the trees and she had quite a straightforward chip out and she didn't chip out and she left it in, in the crap and then attack it out again. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? So that kind of, <laughs> that kind of ruined my afternoon's golf. But yeah, that was... What did she get? That the was end? my head's gone. She finished, yeah, she finished... Well, she, I think she made a bogey, but it was a par five. And she's oh, a long okay. hitter. I needed to make birdie on the way in yeah, yeah. to keep putting the pressure on, but it didn't happen. But, you know, but... See, uh, getting all emotionally attached to the yeah, golfers you like. Right, that's right. You shouldn't <laughs> do it. You shouldn't do it. So, uh, yeah, that's going to... That's quite relatively long, then nearly an hour and ten. I will just add, Zed, that um, now that we're completely fully live on Bear Tiger and everyone can go in multiple different directions. I was getting to that part. And it, James has been on me all week about, right, when we do the pod, we've got to do the like and subscribe and then all the channels at the end of it. So you brought it home. You can take it from here. 
Right, so remember to like my stuff, dislike Zane's, because that's just for the moral high ground. It's going to give me loads of... Um, but it's all in one... Um, B units just in the den, just carving it all into one space now. So I don't have to tell you about going B to... B unit is our tech god who, who lives in the background, just yeah, get in the ether, it all together. Up next to four on his cloud. He has to take vitamin D pills because he's not allowed out. Yeah. He's like the oracle from The Matrix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not popping pills. And uh, bending spoons. And he has created this beautiful forum for us where you can get absolutely everything you need at the Bear Tiger Club. So it's linktree forward slash Bear Tiger Club. And uh, you will find everything on there from our YouTube channel, Twitter, Instagram, our course guide, which is our free year business plan, which will give you all a much more detailed insight into what's going on. So enjoy, read, some toilet reading. And like. Yeah. And subscribe. Follow. There we go. Perfect. That's a perfect outro, guys. Well done. Nice one. Good chatting to you guys. And uh, we'll, we'll see everybody. We'll, we'll, see you soon. We'll be talking and you can all listen to us next week. Cheers, Ed. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.